Good afternoon. We are a couple of days away from Thanksgiving. It is November 21st. November 21st, 2019. We're taping this on a Wednesday. It will be available on Podbean and iTunes on Thursday. So joining me is the husband and wife coaching duo of Waldorf University Volleyball. It's Bree and Matt Ebenhoe. So how do you guys feel? Feeling really good. Uh, start of Thanksgiving break. Can't get much better than that. Uh, so what do you guys got going on over uh, Thanksgiving break? Uh, we're going to Bree's uh, family to uh, Grandma and Grandpa's house for Thanksgiving tomorrow. Yeah. Still hitting up all the old classics. Well, hopefully uh, hopefully it works out. Uh, uh, everybody's coming to our house for Thanksgiving like they do every year. So it'll be... It'll be an adventure because I imagine by like three thirty everybody's going to be asleep, and then we got to wake everybody up and get them home. And it, it, it sometimes it's a hassle, other times it's easy. So hopefully it's one of those easy years. So your season wrapped up earlier this month, and you've got a really young team. You have one, two, three, four, five. You have no well, technically no sophomores, mm-hmm. a bunch of freshmen, and just one senior. So how was so how was that chemistry wise? Has there such a vast gap between people that are just getting here and only a handful that have been around to know what they're doing? I mean, really, our team did an incredible job of bonding and kind of gluing together. Uh, we tell our upperclassmen all the time, you know, your role is leadership. You know, showing the newcomers, you know, how to get along on campus alone, away from their parents for the first time. So. They've really taken on that leadership role, and it really made it a very closely knit team, which makes the entire experience that much better. And you started to gel towards the end of the year, which has positive momentum for 2019-2020. So let's uh, let's backtrack a little bit. Husband and wife working together. Isn't the point of going to work <laughs> to, like, not be around each other? Like, isn't that the core concept of work, to just kind of take a break from each other? <laughs> You know, it's um, there are those times where uh, Bree tells me that she you know needs a little time away, but we we've been doing this together for for a while, uh, pretty much as long as we've been when married. We've been coaching together, so it's just been turning kind of that into the you know full time work that we both do. Um, really focused on on building this program here. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of positives uh, out of that because you know collegiate coaching. There's a lot of recruiting work. There's a lot of time on the road. Uh, you know, being able to do that together actually makes it, you know, in some ways a little bit easier on us mm-hmm. at times than it would be otherwise. So how did you two meet each other and get into coaching together? Uh, so th- the way we met each other is, you know, when I was in college, um, I-, I went to UW Lacrosse, and um, Bree was originally from the Lacrosse area. Uh, I happened to be coaching as a assistant coach in the um, high school program uh, the year after Bree had graduated uh, from that school, and we met when she was back on a, a break from college, and you know just started talking from there, and that's kind of how things worked out. Um, as far as coaching together, uh, you know that was something that happened when uh, Bree had graduated from from Marquette and actually came back and started teaching uh, at the high school um, that she had attended. Uh, you know the position came open for the volleyball coaching job and, and you know Bree thought it was a good thing that you know we could be able to do this and, and you know I supported that idea too with the idea that we would coach together it's just kind of worked out from there. So looking at your high school coaching career you've won five regional championships mm-hmm. a sectional title in 2016 
And then you coached a 14 and under, I guess, whatever the viable equivalent of AAU is. Club. Uh, so what were what were those experiences like, getting people at such a younger age and teaching them how to play, which I'm sure made it a lot easier once you got into high school and college? It really was. I loved the two coaching positions that I had because I got to deal with the complete polar opposites. In my high school varsity job, I had the athletes who had been, you know, training and working hard and had honed their skills to their maximum abilities. And I got to kind of put those pieces together to get something really dynamic and fun. But when I'm coaching 14-year-olds, you know, 13 and 14-year-old teams, I'm just looking to instill those basic skills and paramount for me was the idea of this is fun you are playing this sport because you love it and you love being here so whatever happens let's get better together but never lose this sight of we're having fun this is something we all love to do just building that lifelong enjoyment if you had the opportunity to do uh, like a 14 and under Mm -hmm. aau opportunity would you jump at doing that again i absolutely would um i mean you know my job is so different now but Again, just getting into a gym with a bunch of young women and fostering that sense of community and teamwork with people that you might not go to school with or people that you don't know or they're your rival. That's a big part of our sport, and I love it. And I think one of the things that's been a lot of fun for us uh, since we've come here is, you know, it's not the same as coaching the the club, but, um, you know, we've been involved with running a lot of camps for Waldorf, Mm -hmm. and and it brings in a lot of the area students um, from high school uh, middle school, and even, you know, we did one this summer that was for, for the uh, elementary students. So we've gotten to, you know, meet and work with a lot of the, uh, you know, youth volleyball players in the area and, you know, hoping to um, just help raise up, you know, everybody's game in the area. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, so I'm, I'm not really missing out. It's just a different tactic now. Yeah, you just get more advanced uh, skill levels. Yeah. So you went to Marquette University. I did with a science degree in physics and was a cum laude uh, distinction. So Marquette is known as the basketball school. where Dwayne Wade went. (laughs) It's where Tom Crean coached. Uh, How was that experience at at Marquette with a a large school and being around a lot of people? I actually really kind of wanted that environment coming out of a smaller high school. Um, So I went to this large university and just having the opportunity to see you know, these young men and women in all these sports competing at a high level, competing on a national stage, and the amount of work and drive that they had to put into that was really exciting. And I had, you know, students in my classes who were student athletes and competing, and to see them working alongside us, you know, just kind of drove the point home. They're students working towards a degree, working towards a future, while dedicating this complete other half of their life to the sport that they love, the training, the film sessions, the lifting, the practices, the travel, everything. So I really developed a respect for these collegiate student athletes and a love of kind of the entire process of collegiate sports. To this day, I prefer college basketball to the NBA. (laughs) (laughs) Probably, Probably for that reason. So what were your favorite things to do out in Marquette and your favorite things to do at UW-Lacrosse when you were both in in college? Wow. Um, I was really involved uh, also in liturgical choir, so sacred music at Marquette. So I had a very, you know, tight bond with 
the people who sang in my choir and we did trips and retreats and service projects. I mean, Marquette being a Jesuit Catholic university, uh, service was a part of everything we did. Um, I was, you know, a member of the physics society. So we built, you know, trebuchets and launched soda bottles across fields. I mean, so my interests were more musical and throwing things, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, when I started out at UW Lacrosse, I was uh, actually on uh, the track team there and, you know, happened to come in at a great time where uh, when I was a freshman, we had a, a senior on our team named Andrew Rock, who went on to actually be an Olympian uh, and, you know, just came into a team that was full of uh, a lot of championship experience and, you know, got to be there uh, while we won, you know, my freshman year, we won an indoor and outdoor national championship in, in track. And, you know, it was just a very good learning experience for everything that Brie was just talking about, you know, what she was seeing from the student athletes at Marquette, um, you know, seeing that up close and personal um, on a team and everything that goes into uh, a team at that level was mm-hmm. just an incredible experience and something that, you know, I've taken lessons from that in, in the way that, you know, we try to coach and run our team today. And then, you know, beyond that, uh, you know, because I reached a point where I you know, had some injuries and, and unfortunately couldn't continue to compete. Um, but, you know, I was still always very uh, active and involved in sports. So I went right from competing myself to um, getting into coaching uh, both in track and volleyball while still in college at UWL, you know, still had that competitive spirit of wanting to be involved in like intramurals and, and different things like that. So that's just kind of always been a big thing for me, uh, even dating back to the college days. So how quickly after graduation did you guys get your first coaching job? Was there kind of like an awkward six month, what am I doing with my life period? Or did you just jump right into it? Well, given that Matt is two years older than I am, he graduated early. Um, At that point, we had been dating seriously. We were kind of making future plans together. So he stayed in the lacrosse area. But like he said, he had been coaching throughout his collegiate career. So he still had a huge role in track athletes in the area at that time. Um, So when I came back, you know, he was the track coach. And I came back to my alma mater and I was actually helping my old softball coach with the program. So to start off with, we were actually coaching different sports in the same season. Uh, but when we got married and the volleyball opportunity came open, it just seemed like perfect timing. Was it at the same high school or was it a different one? Same. So when you got that first head coaching job and since you had went to the school, you'd mm-hmm. gone to that school. So yes. people were familiar with you. Was it a bit easier to connect with them it's like okay I've been to this school I know what it's like and I can relate a little bit more I would say yes and no um yes they knew who I was I was you know the older sister of the girl they competed with last year um but at the same time you know they didn't know me or my personality I was taking over a program that had achieved such amazing success and had kind of had one rocky year so the expectations were really high from the athletes and the entire program. So stepping in, there was also that kind of, you know, you better get going pretty quick here. We have some goals that we want to achieve. But um, I was very upfront and honest with them about my abilities, my expectations, and they kind of followed right along. Nothing to add. I don't know. So you spent seven years yes. doing that. So I, so if I did the math right, you started in 2010, and then at some point in 2016, 2017, this job comes open. Mm-hmm. 
how did you find out about how did you find out about that, and how did you wind up here? So we're originally from La Crosse, Wisconsin, and that is the home of Viterbo. And the club that I coached at was actually run by Viterbo. So I actually got to know the Viterbo coaches, their coaching staff, and the North Star by default. And, you know, it got to the point where the things that we were doing at our high school actually became, you know, really close to the things done in a college program. And so when this job came open, the Viterbo coach came and kind of said to me, hey, you know, you have this opportunity. I think you could really be good at this. You know, you should go for it. And I had just, I had been getting my master's in coaching. This was something that, you know, was always kind of in the back of my head. And it just seemed, again, like it was great timing. So we took a leap. Was it an easy sell? Was it a hard sell? Did you guys have to talk about it? Because seven years, you put down roots, it was stable, and then you'd have to uproot, move to another state, go to a new environment. I mean, that's a hard sell for some people, and most people don't want to do that. Hey, I've got a good thing going. Yeah. I've been here for seven years. Why not just stay here and ride it out and not take the risk? Yeah, you know, it was something that, you know, we, we talked about, and um, it, it was just it, it, the opportunity seemed like um, just kind of the right one with it being uh, a conference that we had been seeing, you know, play from the last few years, um, just, again, with the closeness to Viterbo there in lacrosse, and, you know, just that opportunity to, um, continue on in, in, you know, a relatively close geographic area to where we had been. And, you know, it just, it was a good opportunity for, you know, the two of us also just, you know, to take that kind of leap and, and go with, uh, you know, the adventure of trying to, you know, build up a program that when we came here and, you know, Bree interviewed and we saw the campus and we saw everything that goes into athletics here seemed like something that, you know, could be built up to, to a strong level. And so we wanted to, um, kind of work with that and try to see what we could what we could make happen here I guess. and really I mean when it came down to it as a high school teacher I was always telling my students you know set goals for yourself and once you achieve them push on and make new goals and kind of looking at that and thinking about this opportunity it's like you know I got to set that example I got to show them that you know it's not just about getting a college degree and getting that one job and staying you know 50 years with the same company anymore it's about forging new adventures, new paths for yourself. And it seemed like this was an opportunity for me to practice what I was preaching. So we decided to jump and take an adventure. Have you gone back since you took this job? Plenty of times, yes. And do you are, do you kind of get like the itch to just go back and be like, hmm, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe this <laughs> is the wrong place. I should have stayed at. I should have stayed at the high school. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think there's any, uh, you know, desire to do that. No. And then, you know, one of the things that was very important with us um, in leaving the high school program that we left is, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were leaving it in in good hands. And we kind of basically um, helped kind of push a person in the direction to to apply for the coaching <laughs> job um, after we left, and 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 she got that, and you know, she's been doing a really good job continuing on the success of that program. And then Bree and I you know, have made a point of finding an opportunity to go back and, you know, watch our old team play mm -hmm. once per season just to kind of, you know, still show support to the athletes that we were coaching. But, you know, it, for, for us, it, it's it's all about, um, you know, here in, in this program and in Waldorf and, and making it uh, the most successful program that it can be for, for our athletes that are here right now. And for me, you know, that was my high school. That was my alma mater that still had, you know, teachers and mentors there who had, you know, 
helped me with every, you know, difficulty in my entire life. My family was all there. So, you know, it's sometimes it's like, wow, you know, going back, that seems so easy and comfortable. But, you know, no growth happens without a little bit of challenge. And, you know, so when we left, it's like, you know, we're going out, we're challenging ourselves and having that big adventure that I talked about. So, you know, while it in your head, it's always like, oh, it could be easy. It's never going to be the same. This is our new goal. This is our new path. Okay. So you get the job. It's day one here. Mm-hmm. So what do you do on, on day one? Because the players know, hey, there's this new coach. So how quickly do you meet with the players, talk to them saying, hi, I'm the new coach and this is what we want to do? So really, uh, during the interview process, I got a chance to meet the team and they had a chance to ask me questions. So in a, it was kind of interesting being interviewed in that manner by the athletes and then coming back and being like, hey, remember me? <laughs> it, you know, I for better, for worse, I don't know, you know, what your impression was. I'm your coach. But the first thing we really did is said, you know, we have seven years of coaching experience. You guys have just as many years of playing experience in your own ways and at your own levels. We're going to work together to make something impressive happen here. I'm not coming in. I'm not imposing my, you know, will and my law. It's going to be something that we build together. So I asked for help. I asked for their input. Um, I gave my ideas and really kind of fleshed out my vision and was very, very fortunate that the senior class and the entire team really bought in right away. Yeah, and not a lot of coaches do that. They're like, hi, this is who I am. (laughs) This is what I do. Any questions? Good. And that's kind of how it works is they just say, well, they're just so married to what they do. Mm -hmm. And instead of working with, well, this player can do this and this player can do that, it's like, no, we got to do it the way I want to do it. I mean, I'm sure you've you've run into in your coach, in your athlete days and track and volleyball like some my way or the highway coach and that that left a bad taste so you just kind of vowed we're we're never going to do that i mean we're all we all have those coaches in our life that we really you know kind of synced up with and really felt comfortable with um so i'm just out there saying this is my coaching style and you know there are some things that we're like here's what we're doing but we tend to follow it up with and here's why we're doing them we think there's a process here we think there's you know some smart ideas behind this but you're welcome to give us your opinions we might not always take that advice but we're open to it. Yeah, and you know, we still we still have very clear standards, very clear expectations yes. for for our team. But it's a matter of, of going about it in a way where you know we, we have to build buy-in from mm-hmm. the players for the standards, for the expectations we have, for understanding of why are we actually why is this a standard instead of just saying like, hey, this is this is what it is, just do mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, and, and that's something that you know. Uh, the first group of seniors that we had, we you know we had six girls that were going to be graduating at the end of the year, and it, and it was, you know, hey, we're going to try everything we can to make this the most successful senior year for you. You can, it can be, but ultimately what we have to know is, we want you to be able to look at this program five years from now, see the success that's having, and and, and know deep down like, okay, I helped build that, and that's that's mm-hmm. the most important thing, and you know, very grateful that. They, they did have that buy-in right away uh, of helping, you know, build that culture that's, you know, come over to the second season and, and grown even more and now, you know, continuing looking into the future, um, the idea of continuing to take those steps forward and be even more successful as we're going on here. 
we're very transparent as coaches. If you have a question or wonder why we do something, we have no problem telling you and you're free to kind of jump on board or say maybe that's not 100% me. But at the end of the day, what we're building, we have a very clear vision of how to get there. So we're trying to get, you know, that the team culture that we have is so bought into that right now. Now it's all about getting recruits to see that too. All right, so we're we're going to jump into a bit of recruiting, and then we'll talk about this season. So I never played sports, so I don't know what it's like to be recruited and have someone sit in my living room and say, "Come to this program." So what is that? What is that like? Knowing that okay, this is the player that we want. We need to go visit with them, go talk with them, and then what happens? Like I, what is that like? Well, we've never sat in a living room yet, uh, but thankfully volleyball has grown and exploded so much in the offseason in the club volleyball scene that we get to see so many talented athletes and meet them and their families at these mega tournaments that you feel like you get so many opportunities to connect with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's one of those things where um, you know, there's not just like one story of, of how you know an athlete uh, comes to choose being here. I mean. Uh, we ha- we have you know five athletes currently who have, have signed for next year, and the story of kind of how we m- met each one of them, how they mm-hmm. ended up you know deciding that Waldorf was a place for them would be completely different for every one of them. So it- it's really just about um, you know we find athletes in, in a number of different ways. We are um, relentless in kind of <laughs> watching players on on the club circuit as much as we can during the high school season, um, and, and just trying to f- see as many athletes as we can. Um, and at the same time, we know that even doing that still gets us only a small fraction of, of the number of uh, talented volleyball players there are. And so other times we're reliant on, on players find us and contact us and say, hey, I'm interested in your school. Um, but it, it's all about you know building that relationship from the standpoint of uh, them feeling like this is going to be a comfortable place for, for, for them to continue on. You know their college, uh, you know their academic career as well as their athletic career, mm-hmm. and and for us knowing that the players that we recruit are a good fit for what we're trying to build here, that they're a good fit with the, the team that we already have in place here. So, and finding those athletes, you know, sometimes it's just walking past a court and you see a girl make a play, and you're like, wow, I need to talk to that girl. So you sit, you wait for the match to be done, you wait for their team to kind of scatter, and you walk up and just put out your hand and say hi. I'm Coach Bree. I coach at a university in Iowa. I think you're amazing. Can I talk to you? <laughs> so do you have a favorite recruiting story or maybe you're just watching somebody and then you call, somebody else got you and you're just like, whoa, who is that? We need to get her, like, right now. Um, you know, and, and not necessarily a favorite recruiting story, but just one that They're kind of – They're our favorite. It, it's, it's, it's one that I've told before. But, like, you know, every, um, every tournament we go to uh, at the club level – um, we, you know, go with a list of players that we know, like either we've already known them or, you know, maybe there's somebody that's contacted us or for whatever reason, a list of players that we know we have to try to see at that tournament. But then I also, you know, will also just kind of walk around the entire facility and just kind of see what catches my eye. And then literally there, there was, you know, one tournament, um, where we were in Wisconsin, you know, in the club season, and I'm just walking around the, the bubble in the Wisconsin Dells and I'm walking past a court and, you know, uh, for whatever reason, a, a setter on one of the teams catches, catches my eyes and it's just, you know, it's, it's the way she was playing just is like, that's, that's what we like in a setter. And so that was somebody that, you know, 
chose to follow up with and then turns out you know a few months down the line she's she's signing to play for us uh, you know the next year and you know I've already told her that story herself and, and you know it's kind of a, a funny thing of like mm-hmm. just happened to walk past the right court at the right time that um found a player that you know is a really good fit for for our program so sometimes you you're just lucky I to mean, be in the right place and the crazy thing is you know that list of athletes that we had to go and look at we talked with all of them touched base with all of them but you know when it comes down to it the recruiting world is exceptionally competitive as about as competitive as our volleyball court so this girl may have been the only girl in that gym that would come and sign with us so you never know when you're out on the recruiting trail. Are you ever disappointed that you didn't get somebody like, oh, I really yes. wanted them, and we yes. did, we didn't get them? Yes. Yeah, it's 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 a natural thing, you know. It, it's um, I've always said re- recruiting is the best and worst part of this job because it, it literally for for the girls that we come in have coming in here, um, the connection that that's been made with them, to, and and you know the the teammates that we know they're going to be in the future. Um, th- there's nothing more exciting than that um and it also has its you know some of its most disappointing moments where you have that girl that you thought was you know perfect for your team and she chooses another school that's a better fit for her that's that's it's something that we we kind of have to go through as part as part of this Mm -hmm. job so and sometimes it's just you know coach i decided i'm not even going to play anymore and you're looking at this incredible volleyball athlete and you know it's the reasons are endless, but yes, we feel, you know, disappointment and sadness. And that was actually a big thing that kind of jumping to this level that we had to learn how to deal with pretty quickly. A lot of rejection in this job. You wouldn't believe. Yeah. Well, in high school, they're already there. Like, what right. are they going to, I mean, what are they going to do? Go, go two towns over right. and play. So how quickly is that turnaround of, oh, we didn't get her. It's like, well, we can't like, we can't just cut mm-hmm. in and unsign her. So is it just like a quick two-second, oh, we didn't get her, oh, well, on to the next one? I wish my emotions could flip that fast. I really do. Um, no, I mean, you know, because we spend a lot of time building relationships with these athletes because we want them to know exactly what they're getting here. I, I mean, you hear about coaches and, you know, people who recruit this athlete really, really hard and promise them the world. And then they go to that school and they never see the court or they're not happy or something happens and their scholarship gets taken. We want people who are coming to Waldorf to know the school, to know the team, to know us as coaches. So we work really hard to build those relationships. So the, re- the rejection stings just a little bit, but ultimately we know, you know, they're making decisions for their future, and we can't fault anybody for doing it. Now, those yeses, those those are celebrated still very, very much. So how far into the recruiting process is the visit? Because sometimes they'll come, mm-hmm. they'll, you'll assign one of the players, hey, she's coming in, she's going to follow you around. Uh, are those kind of set up in advance, or like how does that work? Because, again, I never played sports. I don't understand how all this <laughs> stuff works. So... Give me a crash course. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, you, you talk to these athletes about, you know, the idea of what the school is here, what the academics are like here, what, what your, you know, volleyball team is like here. But, that, but then ultimately, you know, they have to come and see it for themselves and, and know that in person, yes, this still feels like uh, the right place for me. So, you know, it, it is something that happens, you know, a little later on in, in, in the process, it's, not, it's definitely not usually not the first thing, but no. um, it, it can, it's again, it's one of those things that from one recruit to another, 
uh, it can vary. You know, some, some people, you talk to them the first time and, and they're eager and love the thought of it and they want to try to get here as soon as possible. Others, you know, it, it's, you know, they, they, they still may really like the sound of it, but it's, it's a, you know, hey, it's a busy time of year. Um, I'm going to try to schedule something out for a few months from now. It, it, it all varies. It's, it's like I said, it, it goes back to kind of every, every recruit has a little bit of different story. It's a little different, you know, personality. So it's, um, there's, there's no real kind of set in stone of like, this is the exact formula of how it always works. So you had a group of freshmen mm-hmm. that were brand new and were just coming in and you had to redshirt a couple of them. And you're not just managing players, you're managing personalities. There's mm-hmm. what 13 different players. They have 13 different ways to motivate. What works for one person doesn't work for another. So there's a balancing act when it comes to making sure everybody's happy and the freshmen are coming in. They were all conference. They were team captains, and now they're going to not play. Mm-hmm. So how do you get them to buy in without them looking around in two months and be like, you know what, screw this, I'm out of here. I'm going to go somewhere <laughs> where, I, where I can actually play. I mean, really, again, we do our homework when we're recruiting them. We're looking for personalities who are team players and understand the process of you're really, really good in high school. You might be really, really good at club. You still need to be really, really better at this collegiate level. So bringing in freshmen, our upperclassmen know, you know, we need the newcomers to kind of balance out and to make us a better team. So there's already this kind of open atmosphere And then our freshmen are told, you know, you might see the court a lot, you might see it a little, you might not see it at all. The idea is, though, that you are learning and growing for yourself, and then we're seeing where we fit in in our entire team dynamic. Now, again, we're really transparent, we're really open and honest with athletes coming in saying, you know, we are kind of envisioning this role for you. Uh, But, you know, nothing's ever guaranteed, nothing is ever, you know, you're going to start for us 100% and then they don't see the court at all. We're, we're not in that kind of business. That is going to make those kids leave in two months. And we want these kids here not just for the athletics but for their academic future and degree. So we're selling them on a whole package, and lying just doesn't get you anywhere with that. Yeah, it's it's all about how you communicate with them from the start when, when you are recruiting an athlete because – um, you know, like Bree said, we're, we're transparent as coaches with our athletes who are here, so we, we, we have to start that from from the beginning. And um, you know, it's it's something that we you know decided obviously early on. Um, we we don't ever want to be that that version of a coach who's you know just making promises just to try to get people in the door that that they can't deliver on. You know, we we set very clear kind of expectations for them, and and, and we don't we we, we don't promise starting positions to our recruits we don't promise you know this particular role we, we say this is what you know you may be able to achieve but but at the end of the day um we, we want to build an environment where all of our athletes know that you know hey we're, we're going to be competing in the gym the the best player for for the for the role is going to get that role and um at the end of the day regardless of who you know holds whatever role we we're, we're a team first we're we're a family first and and we're all we want the people who are going to support um just as much when they're on the bench as when they're you know in in a role on the court so that's kind of plus kids get hurt you know that yep. freshman is sitting on the bench a couple people go down and now she's got to play right so speaking of upperclassmen one of your junior players broke a career record in 3 years she still has one year left. 
She is going to destroy whatever that record is. Like, did she know as it happened that she broke the record? And I imagine she was pretty excited because career record, that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And, I mean, there are a gazillion reasons why this perfect storm happened for Elizabeth Tram, our junior setter. Um, but the best part about it was when Elizabeth broke the record and was in the locker room, you know, she's saying, you know, it's not about my record. You know, that's very exciting. But, you know, it's more exciting to me that I have great hitters to set it up to, that I have teammates behind me that can, you know, pass the ball up to me. So she's like, you know, it's an exciting number, but really what's exciting is that means I have a team around me that is allowing me to achieve at a high level. So our team is getting better, and she is so excited for next year and pushing that envelope even further and setting a career mark that, you know, we'll see how long that stands, hopefully for a very long time. Well, if she breaks it in three years, she has a full year that's, what, 30 30 games Mm -hmm. to just add on and add on and add on. So it'll be quite the gap between first and second place. So when you have a group of freshmen, that means they – all get experience, which means they come back as sophomores, they know what they're doing, and they can help the other freshmen, and they don't have mm-hmm. to like lead them by the nose and tell them what to do. Uh, does it get a bit easier when they get older that, okay, we've, we're familiar with you, we know what to do, and we're just going to go do it? I don't know. I, I think that we're still a little early in our process to be able to kind of speak as to how that relationship evolves, but what it's been now is really the sophomores that we had that moved up to being juniors uh again my upperclassmen take on a lot of leadership roles so all three of our captains this year were juniors and seeing them step up and embrace leadership and what does that mean on the volleyball court you know does it mean being the you rock kind of a person or does it mean that person that's going to score points or does it mean you know the person who's always just going to be kind of that same even keeled personality we're finding out that in our system and the culture and the vision that we have for this program, leadership just kind of naturally comes because you're taking on more responsibility. You want so badly for the success of your entire team that you step up into these new roles. And really, our, our team so far has been adapting really well to that. Yeah, I and mean, we came into this season where we had um, four juniors on our roster. Uh, the, the fifth junior was a, a transfer uh, but those four who were returning juniors are the, are the only four who had ever actually set foot on, on the court for, for a Waldorf team in a match. Um, and so we came into the season incredibly inexperienced and, you know, uh, set a, a very difficult schedule and still, you know, managed to uh, grow and, and show year-over-year improvement. And so now being in the situation where we're going to be able to actually bring back, you know, all these players who now have this experience and we're going to be able to add to them um, you know a, a really strong group of, of incoming freshmen it's it's exciting to see what mm-hmm. um, you know what we can make happen over the next year and continue to uh, see that kind of forward movement with our team how would you describe your style of play is it a bit more passive is it a bit more oh, no. a- aggressive is it 
We're going to try and win every single game 25 to nothing. And we'll, let's, we'll just see what happens. Well, the, you, the 25 to nothing, that, that's, that's hard to make happen. Has that, ever, has that ever happened? I mean, is, is that a thing? It, it has, but it's, it's, it's rare. Not, and it's, uh, not, not, not in the game that we've played. I think our, our record was we had a 25 to, a 25 one. to 1 in, yeah. in, a, in a high school set once. We um, must serve. But, oh. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's, you know we, we, we try to play an aggressive uh, style of volleyball. Um, you know, we, we preach the idea of uh, make a play to try to win the point than mm-hmm. to try to not lose the point. Um, and, and, and overall, the main one of the main emphasis is we want to play a style that um, where our players are having fun and where we're fun to watch. And that's actually, you know, hey, we didn't have the greatest of records this year, but the best compliment that we got over and over again this year was you guys are actually really fun to watch. And, and from people who, you know, just – Hey, maybe you don't even have any volleyball experience, but came in to watch the, a game, and they're like, "All right, that was that was fun. Like, I, now I want to come back again. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's great." And we feel like if we're accomplishing those things, being aggressive, having fun playing, um, playing an entertaining style, um, over time, uh, as everybody grows and improves, the, the wins kind of follow behind that. So. Yeah, and when we're being aggressive, we love being aggressive. We love being assertive. You have to accept risk, high risk, high reward, right? Yeah. So. The, like Matt said, the greatest compliments we've gotten this year is going in to conference coaches, going into their gyms and having their coaches saying, we're kind of scared to play you guys right now. Because, you know, if everything aggressive, if everything assertive works out just right, you look darn good, you are competitive, it is fun, and you will win matches. Now, you know, we have to accept the risk. If we're going to serve aggressively, we're going to miss serves. If we're going to run a fast offense, we might not connect perfectly every single night, but our idea is the longer we're here, the more we have the time to build those connections, to hone those skills to just absolute perfection. We're getting better. It's- and as a great philosopher once said, scared money don't make none. So, uh, <laughs> that is a good it, when, it, when the ball is in the air, how much of that is set plays? Because to someone like me who doesn't know what they're watching, it just looks like backyard chaos and everybody's just running around trying to get the ball. Yeah. So how many set plays in a game do you guys run when it's in the air? You know, it's, it's, a, little, it's a little of both. I mean, there, there's, there's set plays, um, you know, in service receive. There's, there's a little bit of, a, of set ideas of what we want to do in transition and in different um, circumstances. But then, you know, we also we, we, we don't want our players to, to be robots. We, we give them the freedom to uh, – we want them to see what's happening on the other side of the net. We want them to, to read the other team and, and make adjustments on the fly um, to what they're seeing. And, and so – it, it's not exactly, you know, a, a set like, hey, this is exactly what we're going to do in every time we get in this situation I or mean, anything like that. The average volleyball play lasts less than 10 seconds. So there is no physical time for anyone to verbalize a play like you might hear in football or to, you know, call a pitch like you would in baseball. You're never going to see a volleyball team with the wrist cuffs and the list of plays, you're never going to see someone on the sidelines holding up, you know, the four pictures and mm. kind of whatever that means in football. You know, we, in serve-receive, you watch Elizabeth Tram again. She's communicating with her attackers what she wants them to do. But in the play, in that chaos, they just have to trust each other and listen for each other and call on the fly. And it produces yeah, some really good results when there, it's on. There's a lot of verbal and nonverbal communication <laughs> happening in like instances of split seconds that um, probably nobody's actually seen on the court, but it's, it's all what kind of makes uh, everything run. 
It looks really good when it's done white. It, it looks really good when it's done well. So one last thing on the team before we uh, wrap things up, talking about yourselves. Towards the last game of the year, the visiting team got a yellow card, which I didn't know was a thing you could do. <laughs> I didn't know you could get ejected from a volleyball game or get close to an ejection mm-hmm. from a volleyball game. Like, I, how do you get kicked out of volleyball? It's, uh, it's really it... interesting that people don't realize that there are cards in volleyball. We have a yellow card and a red card, just like soccer. So, I mean, just with any other sport, you know, you see a basketball coach get a technical, that's pretty much our equivalent of a yellow card. Yeah, the yellow card is pretty much just kind of a, um, it can be used for indicating certain, you know, um, delay of game type things, but it also is, it's generally used as just uh, the yellow card doesn't really do much more than indicate to like, okay, settle down a little bit. Because, <laughs> um, you know, even even the red card doesn't actually truly always mean uh, an ejection from the match. Yeah, it's, double red. Yeah. So it, it's, it's more of just kind of a, a, a tool for the official to use to kind of tell a, a coach or a player like, relax, mm-hmm. let's move on to the next play sort of What thing. do you have to do to get a card? It sounds like you have to actively try oh, it to depends. get one. It depends, obviously, on the night and on the temperament and things that are happening. But, I mean, in volleyball, I mean, there are only, only one person is supposed to talk to the officials. Well, two, our on-court captain, so Elizabeth Tram for us this year, and then me as the coach, as the head coach. And I am only supposed to talk to the down ref. I can't talk to the person up on the podium. But, you know, sometimes in our passion of coaching, we want clarification of things. And sometimes we get very uh, verbal and loud and assertive in demanding these things and need to be reminded to settle down. So don't question a call too much. You know, let it ride. Let, let the players determine what's happening. I don't need to be involved in that. Well, they can't undo the play. Once once the point's up, the point's up. So right. at that point, there's really not much you can do. Right. So. Let's talk a little bit about you guys before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. So coaching is a bizarrely a type A kind of – does that ever bleed over to when you're at home where you just get competitive with each other? Absolutely. <laughs> but we're also type A in very different ways. Um, you know, Matt is so awesome at stats and reading numbers and kind of reading into what that means about our team. And I'm so focused on – you know, scouting and looking at our opponent and trying to solve the puzzle. So we're very type A in different ways. And sometimes, you know, if I'm just absolutely adamant that this is the way we're going to beat this team, but, you know, Matt says, well, the numbers, they don't tell us that we can play that way and succeed. It can, you know, get a little bit tense. But the idea is that we've been doing this for so long. And, you know, I'm the head coach, but... I mean, the reality of it is, is Matt does just as much as I do, and I trust his opinion and his insight more than anybody else. So it's joint work, joint decisions, but yes, uh, both very type A in very different ways. You can chime in on this. I'll, I'll let you. He's just looking there like, uh huh, uh huh. I agree with my head coach on that one. So pleading the fifth, classic. <laughs> that is, uh, as my mom would say, a smart move. Uh, <laughs> Is I mean, when you've been around, like, because my parents, they've been together now for over 30 years. So there are times where he's just learned to just pick your battles, pick a different hill, and just move on. So what do you guys do, like, when you're not coaching, when you have time to yourselves to do whatever it is you feel like doing? You know, there there isn't too much of a, a true off season to, to volleyball because, you know, 
the season ended and pretty much immediately we were starting up with uh, with camps for you know the local athletes, um, and you know we we have the recruiting season. We have you know camps in the summer again. Um, when we do get you know some brief time um, off during the year, uh, you know Bree and I do like to to try to travel a little bit, and that and that is actually you know hey part of the fun of of the recruiting thing is to getting to you know see some different cities during the year and, and all that. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of one of the main things we like to do. I mean, we both like cooking, which, you know, doesn't really happen much during the season um, because any time that's not spent coaching the team is spent scouting a team. Um, so we like cooking. We like, you know, exploring. We're still exploring Iowa and everything it has to offer. So travel and cooking, I think we'll leave it at that. Yeah. So how do you guys avoid the burnout? Like, because this isn't like football where you've got like seven assistants that mm-hmm. you can just delegate jobs to i mean how do you just avoid just getting burnt out like during the season you know i mean then there's there's times where hey we're, we're doing um a, a lot but you know one of the things uh, we we did and, and it was actually more for our student athletes but you know it had a secondary benefit of being helpful to us too is we you know we changed around our schedule a little bit this year to keep our athletes more at at, at home during the week um and leaving more of that travel to the weekend that helps in kind of having a more standard schedule um, from week to week during the season, um, and you can kind of plan out things and plan your time out a little better when you have a pretty similar mm-hmm. week every week. Um, but and then as far as burnout overall, you know, what I always say is like at the end of the day, like our, our job is to you know we, we coach volleyball, um, we coach it for our team, we coach it in camps, um, and, and and then we go and watch a lot of volleyball. Like uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty good job when you think of it that way. That that's basically what we get to do is coach and, and watch volleyball. It's it's pretty fun in that way is there anything else you guys want to touch on before we let you go not really i mean we're loving the opportunities that waldorf is giving us we love our team and are working really hard to get incredible you know young women on this campus to you know make our team even better and so we're really looking forward to next year yep and that next year is going to be starting in about a month and change. It's uh, mid-November. We've there's only about forty something days left in 2018. So Thanksgiving week. Uh, hopefully everybody has a an amazing, awesome Thanksgiving. Uh, don't go too crazy on Black Friday. Uh, so this will be posted up on uh, Podbean and iTunes on November 29th. So Matt and Bree, thank you for. Uh, Thank you for your time today. And, thank you so uh, much for having us. Yeah, thank you. This was, a, this was a good day. Hopefully I can get <laughs> you guys back uh, later on next year or, or some other time. Yeah, definitely. definitely. All right. Thank yeah. you. Thank you.